Two million people have fled Ukraine, half of them children, since the start of the Russian invasion. It's a crisis of historic proportions that the United Nations has called the fastest growing refugee crisis in Europe since World War II. Today, we'll hear from two Chicagoans who are offering support to Ukraine. And joining us first is someone who has witnessed this tragedy on the ground. Chicagoan Yulia Skubita just returned from Poland on Sunday. She was there for a week helping Ukrainian refugees as a volunteer. Welcome to Reset. Um, thank you. Glad to be here. Yulia, you were born and raised in Kiev. And you, that is correct. You moved here to Chicago in 2005. But when war broke out in Ukraine, you and three friends, you decided you can't just sit by. You need to do something, right? So tell us what you did. That is correct, because when I was just watching the news, and uh, I am a mother, I have 15-month-old son, and I knew all those women have to live uh, with their kids without husbands because men age 18 to 60 are not allowed to leave the country. Um, And people just were crossing the border on their foot, in the bus, staying there for like the lines could be two, three days in the cold weather. I just uh, we could not bear that thought. So one thing I could do, just sit on the plane, go there. And that's what we did. We rent a van, uh, we bought some supplies and we went to the border and just uh, was trying to see well, how, what can we do? How can we bring that those supplies to the border from the Ukrainian side, mm-hmm. and what can we do to help people who just crossed the border? Yeah, we've been hearing lines to cross the border into Poland. There are many, many line, many, many miles, rather, yes. long. That is correct. And the weather, unfortunately, is, was cold, and it's still cold, and some people do not have cars. They never drove the car in their life, so the one way to do it, you can find a bus from Lviv or other cities and sit there, again, which can take one day or maybe even more, or you can do it on your foot, just you have to stay in line. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it's a little bit maybe better because maybe it became a little bit more efficient, but the situation changes every day, and the, again, the lines are still there. And it's devastating because it's women and the small kids and older kids, and you just um, yeah. have to stay there, and what can you do? What sort of reaction are you getting from these women and, and children? It's very sad to see because when you look at their eyes, like you just, uh, it's hopelessness, right? Because you you lost in one day everything, your home, uh, your past, probably your future. You don't know what to expect because in Poland, once you cross the border, it's actually amazingly organized. I'm so thankful to Polish people for everything they did because the people are waiting there. There's some hot tea, there's some hot food waiting for them, but... And the tents where you can get warm, you can uh, go, there's a Red Cross tent, you can go check with the doctor if you have to, but like what's going to happen next? Mm-hmm. Like you have kids, you have to work, how are you going to afford to pay for apartment, where are you going to go? So you don't know, and all those million questions. And on top of that, when you also worry about your husband, your sons, your parents that probably stay there, um, yes, uh, mm-hmm. it's very devastating to watch and the the Ukrainian refugees you came in contact with, uh, does it seem like they have family or friends that could help them in Poland or elsewhere in Europe? It seems like the first refugees for the first few days, those actually were the people that have some connection in Poland or okay. otherwise. And now the people are coming more from eastern Ukraine and they have nothing, like right? no friends, no 
family, no idea what they are going to do. Um, and they reach out to us a lot, like just asking. There are groups in uh, Facebook and in Telegram where you can just basically post, I'm coming with two kids who can help me. And we're just giving those information to those people. I just had somebody reach out to me yesterday because uh, father is not allowed to leave and the mother is in military and they have a six-year-old daughter that will be crossing the border with grandma who's in her 70s. And they just like absolutely have no idea how what is going to happen to them yeah. after they cross the border. Tell us a bit more about uh, the help from the Polish side. What kind of help are the Ukrainians getting from Polish authorities once they get to that border? I think they're getting a lot of help in terms of like uh, immediate help. So they will get some SIM card so they can call somebody. They will, uh, uh, as I said, you can go to a doctor, check right away. You'll get some food that you can take to go and you probably will get some place to sleep for a day or two. I guess the biggest question, what will be the next step? Because people don't know. And I don't think even the Polish people expected that there will be like right now we are close to what, 2 million people that cross the border overall to all the countries and the Poland uh, taking on most of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, and, you know, most of the time Polish people are amazingly, like, helping. There are a lot of volunteers, a lot of organizations there, but I also had one woman that was telling me why are we doing here, then that we should go back and, like, you know, like save so. yourself, kind of. Yeah. Mm. You know, Yulia, I think even listening to you, it's still hard for some of us here in the U.S. to really imagine the chaos that you must have witnessed, right? Talk more about how dire the situation really is and and whether you noticed any other humanitarian aid groups at the border or inside Poland also trying to help these refugees. There are a lot of groups, but I think most of those people are just like us, somebody who decided to go ahead and help. I met some, uh, uh, just a German couple, they were helping, uh, just bringing some supplies. And now we have friends and family from Germany that are literally going to bring us uh, three trucks of supplies with food and medical things, items that are needed. So it is on one side organized, but on the other side, I think it's a long way to go for for the world just to finally wake up and realize what's happening in Ukraine. And I just beg all the people in the United States to like try to help Ukraine as much as you can, even if it's a donation to the reputable organization, or maybe reach out to your company or reach out to your senators and just ask them to help Ukraine because we are like experiencing the crisis that over there is just devastating. As you see, and, uh, as you see more and more Americans reaching out to help, how does that yeah. make you feel? This is your homeland. It's amazing how many people reach out to me and like even more like every day I'm getting. I had a one uh, a nurse and he just wants to go there and he's asking me to help how he can cross the border. And there, of course, there are a lot of uh, people trying to help them find some supplies, medical supplies that we are bringing to the um, that we can bring to Poland and then it will cross the border. A lot of people are reaching out and helping, but uh yeah. yeah, I think we need it to be more on a higher level. Um, the United States and European country, they should finally, this is a 13th day of war, realize what's happening. And the biggest issue right now is that the civilian people are dying. Um, they cannot leave Kiev, they cannot leave Kharkiv, they cannot leave Sumy. 
there yeah. are like no green light for those people to leave and they just uh and the cities are being bombed so yeah. uh, any help we can get uh, we should we are asking for that help but despite all of what you just mentioned Yulia are you planning to go back to give more help yes so right now i got here and the point was because uh, we raised some money um just to buy some supplies and try to bring it, not to try, but to bring it back to uh, to Poland border, and then from there it will go to uh, Kiev. Well, you be safe, okay? We're Thank thinking you. of you. That is Yulia Skubida. Thank you so much for talking with us. Thank you so much. Glad to be. Now we'll hear from a Chicagoan who's offering medical aid to Ukraine. Dr. Vitali Poilin is a colon and rectal surgeon at Northwestern Medicine. He's originally from Ukraine, and he's been offering medical advice and organizing shipments of supplies from Chicago to his homeland. Dr. Poilin, thank you for being with us. Thank you very much for having me. How soon after Russia invaded Ukraine did you start your effort? Um, Very quickly. I think uh, most of us was in... uh, one or two days started thinking about what are we going to need to do? Who do we need to call? How are we going to get things there? Um, for a couple of reasons, I think it started out with um, folks who were uh, in the medical field from Ukraine. For me, in addition to that, um, a number of my projects in, recently in Ukraine has been concentrating on um, providing good quality care in a resource-poor environment. So even in the good of times, uh, I was always bringing them stuff from Northwestern that the folks would donate to me. And it was became, it was clear from a, from a get-go, it's just going to yeah. multiply. Well, give us some specifics. Tell us what type of supplies you're sending over. So they, um, we working on two, uh, from a medical standpoint, on two different fronts. One is the um, surgical kind of supplies, bandages, uh, tourniquets, uh, because there are a lot of um, injuries with um, from shrapnel and um, explosions. They need a lot of uh, wound care products, and that has been one part in it. Uh, we've made uh, actually very good progress and got a lot of stuff. Uh, the second one is medications, um, and that has been a little bit more challenging uh, to get. How so? Um, so, for example, we um, we were able to uh, leverage some of our um, supply chain here in Northwestern and our connections to our hospitals to ask for supplies from other places, and we got great response from folks who were willing to send um, surgical stuff, um, but uh, the medications, the question becomes, well, some of them need to be refrigerated, and some of them, well, folks worry about uh, liability, what's mm-hmm. going to happen, you know, if it doesn't make it, or if it something makes somebody sick, and, uh, and unlike, uh, uh, you know, uh, there are a lot of um, supplies and medications that only expire in this country, mm-hmm. And then the rest of the world will keep using it. But medications, it gets a little trickier. So they worried about sending stuff that's kind of near expiration, which is probably perfectly fine. 
but they but folks are worried about it. So we've been talking to kind of a pharmacies directly um, as well as trying to get some contacts and um, uh, but drug manufacturers and, and essentially if we can if we can get it donated and can we can we buy it? Yeah. Uh, well, we'll talk a bit more, doctor, about the overall response you're getting from the community. Have there been many offers though to to help with your effort? Um, absolutely. It's been actually very, um, very heartening uh, to see uh, the, everybody has been calling, everybody has been offering things. Our uh, folks here in Northwestern both operating room as well as just folks are bringing stuff by, you know, boxes and bagfuls. And then when we uh, were able to get a message out to other hospitals, I mean, folks are offering pellets and pellets of supplies that they're willing to uh, to give to us. So the issue um, has been, you know, if by what we already got and the commitment, we literally have tons and tons of supplies, and that's just us alone. I know of uh, our efforts on the East Coast that also have a lot. Mm-hmm. The question, the issue for us now is how to get them there, and that's been... Um, that's been challenging. Yeah. Well, how often are you checking in with your people, your friends, your family, colleagues, even in Ukraine? Um, at least once a day, I will talk to them. Sometimes, uh, sometimes more than that. Um, you know, they are uh, most of the folks that I know are in Kiev right now, or in, in the surrounding areas, and they pretty much all of them are separated from their families. Their families are either in the smaller villages and towns, or on the border, on the western border or across the border, and they are essentially living in the hospitals and waiting for um, for wounded to arrive. In your most recent conversation, whether that was yesterday or today, what were they saying? Um, so I talked to them this morning, uh, folks in a couple of hospitals, and it's uh, it's been it's actually been reasonably quiet for the past couple of days in that area. Um, they they still getting some um, people being transferred to them from some of the smaller regional hospitals, which essentially became a frontline, you know, more kind of frontline units, mm-hmm. uh, and then they'll stabilize them and send them over. But that's actually slowed down. It seems like uh, bombardment in Kiev slowed down a little bit. Uh, hopefully for a bit for better, but the worry is that this is a calm before the storm. How has this entire experience changed your life, doctor? Uh, it's been, you know, this is something that I've, I've been kind of in my mind worried about and dismissing for a very long time, and something that my 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 grandfather, who went through whole World War II, and I thought that the stories what he is telling me, I would I would that would be just the stories I'll pass to my kids, and here I am getting pictures and videos and talking along the same lines as he did many years ago. When you say you dismissed it, did you not think that it would get to this point? I know a lot of folks were Uh, thinking that the war wouldn't actually be started. You know, I'm I'm an ex-Soviet, I guess, so I always kind of think, I'm, I'm I'm always pessimistic about things as much as I'm, been trying to switch to uh, to being optimistic about mm-hmm. things, but recently, up until up until two weeks ago, I was the one telling my friends like, "You need to have a plan. What's going to happen?" I'm very worried, and they were once in Ukraine dismissing me, saying, "No, no, no, 
is just posturing. He's just trying to get himself in a better position. So I, I always knew that it was going to happen, but I don't think uh, I don't think people really believed that it would until the very last moment. Yeah. Well, on top of all this, doctor, you are also running a virtual telehealth clinic. Can you tell us about it? Yeah, we are. We're trying to. Uh, we're trying to kind of people as 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 I already mentioned, been great offering to to help in any way with supplies, but also with advice, and then even asking if uh, if if they need some help, kind of on the ground. And one thing that we we thought that may be helpful is um, to provide them essentially kind of a peer-to-peer support. Because the way the medical system works there, um, they have very few integrated trauma centers in the way that we think about them in this country. So, for example, if majority of injuries are ortho, then it will go to the ortho center. And then they'll fix the bone, but then may have a question about something else. And sometimes they can reach their um, folks in our hospital. But I've definitely gotten some phone calls saying, well, I fixed the bones. What do I do with this? How, do, how would you approach it? Mm-hmm. So folks have been great uh, from um, my department and many other departments and saying, here's my phone number. Here's my WhatsApp number. Uh, if I need to call me, just, yeah, I'll be happy to look at it and just give, give advice in, um, in, in what to do to the best of my abilities. Well, you've got a lot of ears listening to you now. So tell us, what's the best thing that we can do to help? Um, I think, as your um, previous um, uh, previous guest was saying, is just kind of keep it, keep Ukraine on your uh, in, in kind of in, on, on you, in the back of your mind and in front of your eyes. But also, you know, we have been working with um, Omana, which is the Ukrainian Medical Association of North America, We've been organizing uh, the, the shipments there to of a Poland of right now medical supplies and medications. They have a donation on their side, uh, beside to, to donate um, and how to do that. And then um, I think that's at this point, this is probably um, the best thing we can do, but uh, I, it will be changing. It is already changing. Um, it kind of changes every day. Yeah. Well, what's next for you in the days ahead? So um, still working on kind of trying to facilitate and organize the um, supply help, supplies help with um, um, kind of try to use my connections to maybe set um, set uh, folks up with um, uh, <laughs> place on the planes um, and then trying to think about the future and uh, we're going to be needed more and more supplies for refugees at some point they're going to may need they don't necessarily need it right now but in the future um, the manpower either um, in there or across the border mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know right now they are not necessarily in the position to kind of think this three four steps ahead but we are so that's what we're trying to do well, that is Dr. Vitali Poilin from Northwestern Univer- Northwestern Medicine. Dr. Poilin, thank you so much. Great work. Thank you very much for having me. Want more context on the top issues of the day? Find the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.